welcome back to another episode of the I'll Be Back podcast. Um, tonight's episode is going to be uh, slightly different. Um, I'm recording this. The SMU Temple game just ended. Um, me and a man named Bob uh, Carlson recorded before uh, the game, and we had a really good episode. Um, I'm just including this little snippet before um, you guys get a chance to listen to that because... I will be honest, and you guys will hear it in, uh, the, when me and Bob talked. Uh, I did not know if we would win tonight. I didn't have too high hopes, just the last two games. Just feeling realistic. Um, so I just wasn't going to do a recap. And after that game, I was like, shit, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a recap real quick. Um, and then I'll, I'll let you guys uh, listen to me and Bob talk. We had a great time talking. Um, but that was just, what a game getting nervous um as i said you know we, we kind of predicted in uh the, the the rest of the show and me and bob talking it kind of is uh maybe gets a little ugly or maybe they keep it close and it's an ugly game uh which is what it ended up being and they ended up pulling it out at the end um you know got to 10 or 12 there in the beginning and they hung around and they just this team just did what it's done all season it's just stuck around stuck around and played some ugly basketball but uh ty strickland mvp tonight uh just played amazing um i think i said he had 19 second half points um the rest of the team did not play too great offensively but uh thank you ty for stepping up after felt like he had a couple of off games so good to see him uh get back um I thought Miller looked good. I saw Sage Tolbert probably had his best game in a while. I think Jaleel White was like five for 13 from the field. He had 11 or 12 points. Uh, the team as a whole was three for 21 from three, which is oof, almost expected at this point. Um, Adam McCoy did not play too well. Parks, I think at one point, had three straight missed layups. But it doesn't matter. The defense is what uh, kept them in the game. It's what's kept them in all these games. And they have grinded it out, and they got a great win. Um, it, it's going to be cool if we get Dunn and Williams back. Um, again, when the the rest of that you're going to listen to, the rest of the clip you're going to listen to, uh, was recorded before the game. And we did not actually know if Williams and Dunn were going to play. And I think we both kind of knew it wasn't looking too, too great. but. Um, we made our predictions kind of more based off of them not playing um, for the most part. Uh, even if they did, it was kind of like, hey, they'll probably be rusty. Um, so, hey, Al's got a good win. Um, I drank for the prior to the game uh, portion of the episode, and I poured myself the tiniest glass of whiskey with a couple ice cubes just to uh, stay in character, I guess, for you guys. I don't know if that's what we're calling it these days. Um, you know, I don't want to let you guys down. Um, <laughs> but, uh, great win tonight for the Owls. Great, great win. Uh, I feel bad. Uh, Andy Carl actually offered me a ticket, uh, just couldn't make it down. Uh, but now, you know, kind of was like, eh, maybe I should have went, but, um, able to hop on and get this, uh, you know, recap in, uh, it was ugly. Uh, the Marcus Weathers and Michael Weathers kind of owned us for a lot of the game. Uh, it, it's very fun watching games now. You can tell the buzz is back about the Temple Owls. I get, you know, probably 50 text messages. Uh, Twitter's a buzz. Uh, I'm in a Twitter group chat now for the Owls, you know, message boards. It's 
it, you can just tell that the buzz is back. And it's really fun to see, um, you know, the the ups and downs, the agonies and the feats. But uh, tonight, after a game like that, uh, a lot of happy texts and just kind of like, how the F did we pull that off? Uh, Nitty gritty, grinding it out. And I think the ref said at the end of the – at one point it was 49 to 43, and we ended the game on like a 17 to three or four run. Um, just a great team win. So, um just decided to hop on and kind of give you guys a, a quick recap. Um, so you're going to hear two introductions. So don't freak out um, when I play the second part. And uh, it's me saying I'll be uh, welcome back um, because I didn't, I didn't plan on doing this. I'm not going to lie. I kind of thought we were going to lose. And I was like, yeah, if they lose, I don't really need to hop on and talk about a loss, but uh, the guys won Kai Strickland offense down the stretch. Everybody made their foul shots down the stretch, um, which was also big which in the last couple uh games when they have lost they were not able to do um anyway hope you guys like the rest of the episode uh like i said bob uh was awesome to talk to um bob if you listen to this i hope i didn't take away your thunder uh just wanted to uh give a little recap of the game and hope you guys enjoy the rest of the episode thanks hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of the i'll be back podcast uh, this week, we are joined by an awesome, awesome guest. Uh, he reached out to me a couple weeks ago saying, good job on the show, by the way, if you ever want to come on. And here we are, uh, Bob Carlson. Thanks for joining us. Love it. Thanks for having me. Um, so Bob is a, a Temple fan, Temple sports fan, uh, Temple basketball, Temple football. Um, so he's been following me on Twitter for a little bit. And as I said, he, he reached out to me and said he would love to come on and you know, just shoot the shit, talk some Temple sports. Um, so, Bob, as a, you know, you, you listen to the show, I, I always try to start out and just get a gauge for everybody. How did you, uh, you attended Temple? Uh, when did you attend and how did you end up there? Yeah, so I'll keep it kind of short and sweet. But um, so I'm a little bit older. I was there from 98 to 2002. So I got to enjoy some of the, uh, the glory basketball days. I uh, actually was fortunate enough to, I lived on the third floor of Johnson Hall, uh, had Lynn Greer, Ron Rollerson, and Kevin Lyde all, all on my floor. Um, so it was definitely a fun time. Um, how I got to Temple. So <clears throat> actually my entire family went to the University of Rhode Island. I grew up in Rhode Island. Uh, my dad oh, played baseball. I'm, I'm just going to stop you real quick. I was actually third floor at Johnson as well. So uh, uh, we might've been in the same room. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> i wish i mean i don't go i can't my memory doesn't go back that far anymore. uh i couldn't but, tell uh, you which i couldn't tell you which but i was i was we i we literally like posted signs we were jh3 johnson hall third floor so uh that's oh, yeah. funny um Good i forgot i forgot to mention i'm i'm drinking a uh a old-fashioned a couple weeks ago somebody called me out for having too many miller lights recently so i went okay. straight to liquor this week what do you got this week bob so I'm drinking a nice hazy IPA from a local brewery up here called Vitamin C. Uh, this one I'm drinking is called Get Your Act Together, which I feel is actually very, very fitting right now because I've got so much <laughs> going on, but uh, it, it works. Um, uh, so continue. Sorry, you, you were saying you're, you're from Rhode Island. And, yeah, so uh, grew up in Rhode Island. Um, actually, I'm, I'm my only family member that didn't attend the University of Rhode Island. Uh, my dad played baseball at the university, uh, big time um, donor and athletic supporter. Um, so when I was young, he um, he started taking me down to Philly for all the A-10 tournaments. Um, so I got to see a lot of the good A-10 tournaments when they were held at the Puestra. And um, at the, I think the first time I stepped on Temple, Temple's campus, I was actually 12 years old. 
And um, we would just go up there, tour, look around. And ironically, I, I think I said to my dad, I think I was 12, 13 years old. I said, you know, I'm going to go to school here one day. And he just kind of chuckled and said, okay, sure <laughs> you like, are. No way. <laughs> yeah. So fast forward six years and uh, I, I followed through and I ended up at Temple. Um, I actually went to Temple to uh, walk on the baseball team. So I played first semester uh, at Temple, um, had a good first semester. Uh, won't get into it, but I got into some trouble with the NCAA and I had to pivot and I ended up playing rugby at Temple for four years, which was some of the best four years of my life playing on the rugby team. That's pretty cool. Um, what position were you for baseball? I played second base and third base. And then for any of your listeners that know rugby, I played fly half and fullback. I was going to ask, but I was just going to ask to be polite and not actually understand what you would say. <laughs> All good. All good. Um, so wh- honest question, where did you guys play rugby then at the time? Was that an Ambler or? No. Um, so we actually played at a little field out in Franklin Park down by uh, the bet. Cool. That's pretty yeah. cool. Um, did you ever, uh, did you further your career in rugby or was it just college only? <laughs> I did. So a funny story. So my, the, guy that lived next door to me on the third floor Johnson Hall um, he was on the rugby team and he just convinced me one day to go out try practice I fell in love with the game Um, it's funny I actually never played um, never played football growing up Uh, played soccer a little bit Um, rugby's kind of a combination of the two if you watch the game Um, and I just fell in love with the game so I played four years at Temple um, and then I played out after Temple I moved out to San Diego for four years played out in San Diego and then after living in San Diego, I ended up in Boston, where I still am now. And I played um, up until probably about five years ago. I was playing up here in Boston. That's awesome. So you're like a probably the best rugby player I've ever talked to. <laughs> <laughs> Only and best. I'll take it. <laughs> um, no, that's really, really cool. Um, you were mentioning some of uh, your your, uh, cl- your floor mates, I guess, in Johnson. Any good stories with them? Uh, you know, you I don't know if you became really good friends with them, any good drinking stories, any fun, you know, nights out or just kind of, they stuck the basketball and you guys kept, uh, you knew not to bother them. No, they, um, especially Lynn, like they were some of the friendliest guys. Um, And it's always funny to see the basketball players outside of their normal environment. So like, you're just so used to watching them on TV, watching them, you know, play live, whatever. But then when you actually see them like in the dorms, they're just like a normal person. Um, so I actually used to bounce at the, uh, the draft horse. So worked, uh, worked at the draft horse for a few years and, uh, it used to be a thing. I used to like sneak the guys through the side door, which was always fun. Um, I don't remember, I don't know if you remember the player, Mark, Mark Kuchar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A little before you, but, uh, yeah. So he got into an altercation at the draft horse one night and, um, I, you know, all six foot hundred and what, 55 pounds of me at the time, tried to split up an altercation between him and a couple of guys from the football team. And I'll tell you what, that did not end well for me, but, um, but no, it was, uh, they were all great guys and they were, they were a lot of fun. That's really cool. Um, so since then, you know, you've, uh, you said you're, you're back up in Boston now. Um, are you a Boston, uh, everything else fan, your temple for college and then everything else, your Boston? So I get a lot of heat up here for this, but I'm actually a New York Giants fan. So I am, yes, Temple for all college sports, uh, all Boston for all the other big sports. But then I grew up a New York Giants fan. So being up here in Patriots country, it's a little bit tough, but, you know, we beat them twice in the Super Bowl. So it's all good. (laughs) Uh, 
I'm an Eagles fan, and I wouldn't say we had the best season this year, so I can't – we were okay. Um, I was at the Sixers-Celtics game last night. I'm a Sixers fan, and that was yeah. rough. I, I, I wish I was not at that game last night. <laughs> I will say I enjoyed watching that from my couch for sure. That uh, – I think everybody was so excited about Harden, they forgot there was a game to play, and uh, that's how you go down by 48 points real quick. Um, yeah, I think uh, give them a little bit of time to integrate hard into that team, but I think they're I think they're going to be all right. Jalen Brown, I don't think he like hit rim on like five of his like they were just perfect swishes. He was just hitting it in everyone's face last night. It wasn't fair. So he's a good him, him and Tatum are good. The, <laughs> it was just one of those games for the Celtics where everything seemed to click last night. Yeah. Um. So I tonight Temple plays at nine p.m. So between getting home late last night after the seven thirty tip off game. For the Sixers, uh, I'm not making it down to the uh, the Leah Cores tonight. It is a school night, um, yep. but this this uh, basketball team we got going this year, and you know, like you you mentioned, you were there for some of the glory years at the end of you know Cheney's really good runs. Um, but this team, you know, they're probably not making the Elite Eight this year, but they they've shown some promise. Last two games have been uh, a little bit of a you know struggle, had some injuries and some just tough losses at the end. Um, but we'll, we'll see what, what are your thoughts so far this year and, you know, how you you're viewing this team. I feel like this year has almost just been, you know, temple basketball in a nutshell. It's like every time they build your hopes up, something just goes wrong to just bring us back down to reality. Right. I think the, the season started out with so much promise. I mean, I don't think anyone realistically thought this was a tournament team this year, maybe an NIT team. Um, but they thought, you know, something's building on broad street again, which is a lot of fun. And, Sure enough, battle goes down with an injury, and then it's like, okay, time to write off the season. But, you know, the team battled. They pulled it together. They went on a little bit of a win streak there, and they're playing tenacious defense, and they're just a lot of fun to watch. I mean, they have trouble putting the ball in the hoop, but when they're guarding the way they're guarding and turning the other teams over, and they're keeping themselves in games, and sure enough, they get our hopes up again, and then, you know, Williams goes down, and Dunn goes down, and Jake is off the team. No one really seems to know what's going on with him. It's no one's business, obviously, but it just, every time you get your hopes up, to feel like something happens to just bring us right back down to reality a little bit, and it's, it's hard. You put those cherry-colored glasses on, you get all excited, and then something just happens. It just always seems to happen. It's so true. And it's, it's funny, as we mentioned, you know, uh, you were, you know, just a, tr a traditional fan and you're right. Like we can, uh, I, I do this mainly as a fan. I'm not an analyst. I'm not a, a guy who works for rivals or Al scoop. And I love all those guys and they're great insight. Um, but you can tell that those guys, they, they keep it more level-headed because that's what their job tells them to do. Whereas us as right. fans, we, we can quickly, you know, we have a two game winning streak and you're quickly like, all right, how do we get to 20 wins now? Like you can just, you don't try to do it, but it just happens. And then you're right. We, we take two steps forward and then we always take that one step backwards. That kind of takes us back down to reality. Um, and yeah, it's, it is temple basketball in a nutshell. Um, what are your thoughts on, uh, I mean, obviously battle before the injury was uh, uh, he was looking great, but Williams and Dunn have kind of, you know, aside from their last week of injury bugs themselves, they've, they've really kind of carried this team. What are your thoughts on those two guys? Well, I think you saw a little bit of it with Williams last year. I think Williams was under-recruited. Um, no one really knew who he was. Um, I think there's actually a story out there where Quincy A is the one that recommended 
um, Williams to the coaches because they played together in AU or something. Yeah. Um, he, so he randomly kind of ends up on Broad Street and he just, he's a stud. Like he's, he's your stereotypical hard nose. You want to call him a Philly guard, but obviously he's not from Philly, but he fits that mold of just good, tough temple guards. And he's just, he's been a treat. He's been fun to watch. And then Dunn, you know, I think people like to get frustrated with Dunn. Uh, I think sometimes he maybe tries to do a little bit too much um, but again, he's, he's a natural scorer. He can, he can get to the hoop. He can draw fouls. He's developed a good shot. I think he's, he's someone that's going to be fun to watch for the next few years also. Yeah, I think you're, you're right. in Williams, everything you said about him, he, he, he almost gives you that, Hey, if you, to, if he told you he's from Philly and he's the true grit Philly guard, you'd believe him. Uh, he's from right. Chicago. So just some of another major city. Um, and right. he, he does all those attributes as well. Um, I love his length, and he is definitely one of the reasons, as you mentioned, uh, the, the way the whole team is playing defense is great, but Williams is definitely the anchor of that playing. You know, at one point he was playing 38 minutes a game, always guarding multiple positions, always one of the better players on the floor at all times. Um, no, he, he's been awesome, and I think as of now, both of them are listed questionable. We're, we're recording this about an hour and a half before the game tonight, so they were – it was a weird, questionable, probable situation, game-time decision, so – if they can play, I think tonight they have a shot. Uh, if they don't play, the rest of the team kind of everybody overachieves a little bit. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I think, you know, you you felt okay when you heard they were making the trip down the two-lane. You're like, all right, well, if they're making the trip, that means they're probably pretty close to playing, right? Because I don't think they would have flown them down there if they weren't close. Um, then you hear the reports that, you know, Dunn tried to practice this week. He was a little sore. Williams couldn't practice, you know, kind of hoping that McKee's maybe just having some fun, not letting, showing his hand too much, maybe not letting SMU know what's going on. But yeah, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see. I think you're right. The fact that they hung in there tough on the road against Tulane without those guys. And honestly, without that three-pointer at the buzzer, they should have won that game. Um, which, you know, second game in a row that that's happened to them, unfortunately. Yep. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I, somehow this team just continues to stay in games. It's, it's, it's been fun to watch. It's not pretty at times, but it's, it's fun to watch. Yeah. And I mean, that uh, game uh, last Monday when the final score was 50 to 49, that was just uh, as you, you know, it's, it's a different, completely different type of game than anyone's used to anymore as you know, our, our typical game is low scoring for college standards, but we still end up in the 60s at least. Um, and and then the game against Tulane, that goes to overtime and the final scores in the 90s and the 80s. So really two different type of games in the offense that was given. And yes, they hung in tough. Um, it's unfortunate that both games, they ended up uh, as losses. Um, but I, I will say in those two games, uh, Zach Hicks and Hasir Miller and Jalil White I think all stepped up just enough to keep us in those games with knowing that some of the other guys who have been major parts are out. Um, so those are three other guys that I really am excited for. Well, hundred percent. And I think one of the guys I've been most frustrated with because I had high expectations for is Quincy A and I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name. So I'm just going to keep calling him Quincy A. Um, <laughs> but it was funny because when battle first went down, he was the one that McKee inserted in that starting lineup. You know, and he obviously they had faith in him and he didn't deliver. And then he starts the game against Tulane and he hits his first two threes and he put a decent game out there. Um, so it'll be interesting to see with more playing time what he can continue to do, because he's a player that like Hicks, I feel like he's got an outside shot. And when he gets on a roll, it's you know, it's fun to watch him. So we'll see what happens with him, too. 
That that was uh, funny you brought that up. I was uh, just telling somebody last week that kind of Quincy A is somebody I also kind of had high hopes for. Thought he had, you know, kind of what Zach Hicks has been this year. I thought Quincy had the chance to be, you know, like come in and just be a shooter right away. And I get with, you know, coming in during COVID was probably tough and just um, everything was difficult for Quincy to get a rhythm with this team. Um, I have one of my uh, best friends, Temple friend, uh, is in Columbia uh, for a wedding, like the country Columbia. And he's texting me uh, how to watch the game on the ESPN app uh, in Columbia. And he's like, dude, it's just not working. Like, I think the app is just blocked here. Um, so then he texts me, he's like, so who is Quincy actually starting? Or is like, he still had the ESPN box score. And he was like, he's like, is Quincy actually starting? Or is that like a glitch? And like two minutes later, I'm like, dude, Quincy's two for two from three. Like, this is great. Play him every minute. So Quincy like (laughs) came out firing and I'm like texting a guy across the, you know, uh, equator about how great Quincy's having his best game as a temple out. Um, I think when that class was coming together, I think he was kind of like the centerpiece, right? I think people were most excited about him. I think when the coaches spoke about him, they they positioned him as being this like knockdown three-point shooter and they got the fans all excited. And so far he hasn't lived up to it, but he, again, he's still, you know, he's still young. So we'll see. Yeah. I mean, that, that game definitely Saturday, hopefully gets his uh, confidence up and uh, hopefully he can take it in stride from there. Um so I'll say uh, I don't want to put you on the spot for predictions tonight, especially it's kind of tough without uh, knowing the starting lineup, which I'll if I get a second, I'll double check if they've announced anything on that. Um, but just your, your outlook on this team the rest of the year, assuming Dunn and Williams, it does look like they are going to play. You know, if they're assuming if maybe they, one of them misses tonight, but the rest of the year they're both healthy. What are you thinking for the rest of this uh, season we got? Yes, I I don't have high expectations for tonight. I think, um, you know, as a fan, as long as they're competitive and competing and, you know, they keep us in the game, it's fine. But I think to your point without Dunn and Williams, it's, it's a tough, tough mountain to climb tonight. Um, assuming those guys come back. Um, I mean, I, I feel strongly that they can make a run. I think the way they play defense and how aggressive they play and if they can keep themselves in games, as long as they can knock down a couple shots here and there, I feel like they're always going to have a chance to win. It's it's funny because you could tell me that they're going to lose in the first round of the American tournament to somebody like uh, East Carolina, or you can tell me that they're going to make it to the American championship. And I could probably buy in either way that's just kind of the way this team is and that's kind of the way this season's going so far right so it's they're going to lose some games that they probably shouldn't lose and they're probably going to continue to win some games that they probably shouldn't win but it's a it's been it's been fun to watch McKee develop the team that he wants and get the kind of players that he wants and you now see the direction that that the program's going in and his vision which has been fun to see yeah, and uh, again, it goes kind of what we were talking about earlier. It's like they show those flashes that get your hopes up, and then they have those letdown moments, and that's on the same boat. Like, hey, if they make a run in the tournament, I can buy that and believe it. And if you tell me that in the first round of the conference tournament they lose and it doesn't look pretty, uh, you know, it's another one of those games where the offense only puts up 40 or 50 points. I think I could – I would say, yeah, that sounds about right as well. Um, it's funny. I was just checking my phone real quick. Sam Cohn of Al Scoop tweeted about 25 minutes ago, um jeremiah williams and dunn he has a video of them getting shots up pre-game but he both it says both are still game time decisions um i i also actually while looking at my phone got a text from a, a, one of our other listeners uh paul Furmeister, saying that the the spread is four and a half points 
we're underdogs. But if it's four and a half points, that leads me to think maybe Vegas knows they're playing. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. So you typically what the home team gets three points just for being the home team. So mm-hmm. put it at seven and a half. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe to your point, Vegas. Vegas always seems to know something we don't know, right? So they, I mean, they always they, know something. <laughs> always. You know, every time you see a line and you think it's too good to be true, it's because Vegas knows something that you don't know. Exactly. Um, but hey, that's promising. I mean, if they're in warm-ups and they're getting shots up, you know, maybe they'll play. Who knows? Um, maybe, maybe the game being at nine o'clock, that extra two hours will uh, get them in the, over the hump. You know, if it was at seven, they can't play because it's a, it's a little later. They got an extra rest. Um what are, what are your overall thoughts on uh, head coach Aaron McKee? As you mentioned earlier, you were there for John Chaney's great years. You you know you don't have to give your full spiel on what your thoughts on Dumpy were, um, but what were your thoughts on uh, Aaron McKee? Uh, you know, year three, uh, he, I, we, he, we've said it before, his whole team has had its ups and downs and highs and lows, uh, but what do you think about Aaron? So originally I thought that this was really the first year where you could judge him on. Right. So year number one, he's still playing with Dumfries guys. Year number two, he's starting to bring in some of his own guys and get them going, but then COVID and they, you know, Philadelphia, as it's been mentioned over and over, had some of the strictest COVID restrictions that you saw in the entire country. They couldn't practice together as a team. They kept having games canceled, practicing as blah, blah. So I really thought that this year was the first year that you could truly grade McKee as a coach and see how he's doing. And again, he's just battling injuries again, you know, and it's, it's hard, you know, they, I, I still go back to battle and I think battle is going to be this player that Temple has not seen in a very long time. I mean, he is a freak freak athlete who can jump out of the gym. He can shoot the ball from anywhere out of the, on the court He's quick. He can get to the rim. He's dunking on people. Like Temple has not seen a player like battle in a very, very long time. And I think him being healthy and playing a full season and seeing what he's truly capable of, I think Temple fans are going to be very, very excited. Um, But it's tough because I think McKee was on the path to where he wants to be this year. And then he's just had to pivot so many times and deal with unexpected things um, but I think you do see his vision and see where he wants this team to go. And I think it's, it's a bright spot for Temple right now. Yeah. And I, I, everything you just said, I, I'm kind of in the same boat. It was, you know, year one, he has Dumpy's guys. Years two is just so bizarre with COVID. And you're right. The Philly restrictions were wilder than anywhere else. Um, and then, yeah, I, I think honestly, seven games into this year with battle, you're like, all right, this is McKee's team. And then game eight, he, you know, you don't have battle. And I almost want to say certain people, not everybody, were going to say, all right, like, can you even judge McKee this year? Like, you know, battle goes down as best player. It's almost like, uh, like now McKee's going to be in year four and you really have had a tough time judging his first three years just from all the different variants of what occurred in those three years. Um, now seeing what he's doing with the roster and what he's been given, knowing that battle's been out, uh, I'm, I'm excited, I think, more so now than I was three, four months ago. Um, because it's shown, you know, hey, I can put in Zach Hicks. Jeremiah Williams ups his offense a little bit. Damian Dunn obviously takes over a little bit more. Um, just plugging in all those players and getting them to get that uh, couple-game win streak that they had there and show some signs of life, I think uh, McKee does deserve some credit for that. I agree, and I think um, I think one of the things that's most exciting is the fact that the players have fully bought it, right? I think – the players are playing the style of basketball that he wants them to play. And I think that's him recruiting the right kind of kids. I think 
to your point, defense and grittiness and everything that they're doing is not sexy basketball, right? That's not the style of basketball that kids want to play. Kids want to play offense. They want to fly up and down the court. They don't want to guard. So the fact that he's able to recruit and get these kids to buy into the style of basketball that he wants, I think that speaks a lot also. Uh, yeah, so I I think he's, again, getting those players, and uh, Kyle Gauss of Scoops kind of said the same thing to me uh, when I had him on. He's getting his players, and you're seeing him implement the team that he envisioned three years ago when he took over, and he can finally show some signs of life of it. So hopefully, yeah, next year with a healthy battle, most of these guys have a another year of experience. Uh, it's up in the air with, you know, uh, you know what they're going to do uh, in the offseason, if they'll have a scholarship to even offer anybody at this point. Uh, we mentioned Forrester is something right now. Um, yeah. So it, it's going to be interesting to see. But if you're returning most of these guys on this roster and they're all showing signs of some way to contribute, yeah, next year, healthy Caleb battle and the full, you know, rest of the full lineup, this team, yeah, the, you said, you know, going into this year, NCAA tournament expectations were not really on the table. We've also said that it's really easy to talk yourself into certain expectations as a fan. I think come next October, November, we could sit here on this show and I could probably argue why, oh, they can win 22 games and make a run to the tournament. So always. <laughs> yeah, I think I think the big thing for me next year will be to see how these guys adopted playing with battle right so you saw it the first seven games this year and it seemed like dunn and williams were willing to take a back seat and willing and they they looked to battle almost too much i felt like mm -hmm. and you know battle can't do it all on his own like they have to help him and i think if they can figure out how to put the pieces together and all play together and if Dunn is able and Williams are able and Hicks is able to take some of the pressure off of battle. That's only going to help and make the team better next year. Also. No, I, I, yeah, that, that's going to be the, uh, the biggest, uh, you know, what if is, is can they implement battle back into it after these guys kind of having that, that little bit bigger of a role on offense. Um, so I, I said earlier, uh, I won't put you on the spot for an SMU game prediction for tonight. Um, but I lied to you. So, what are you, uh, what are you thinking for tonight? Um, let's just say, assuming Williams and Dunn do play, what do you think? All right. So if Williams and Dunn do play, obviously they're going to be rusty, <clears throat> right? So they haven't played in, you know, about a week or however long it's been. Um, I think they will battle hard. I think they'll be in the game. I think it's going to come down to the last couple minutes and honestly it could go either way. Um, I want to put my cherry colored glasses on and say, I see a way for them winning tonight. But I think even with um, Williams and Dunn, I think they probably come up a little bit short. Um, I think if Williams and Dunn don't play, I think, um, I think it has potential to get a little bit ugly because this isn't Tulane that they're playing. It's SMU, which is a different kind of beast. Um, so I think with, with Williams and Dunn, I think they come up just short. If Williams and Dunn don't play, I think the game could potentially get out of hand. I'm going to agree with pretty much everything you said. Um, yeah, if, if Williams and Dunn do play, but they are a little, they got some working that kinks out of to do after the, you know, eight, nine days off, whatever it was. Um, but yeah, that's my biggest concern is if they don't play and, you know, you, you, you get down 13, 14 real quick to SMU, it's uh, a, a higher climb back than going down by six to Tulane, definitely. 
Exactly. <laughs> um, so we've, we've talked a lot about basketball. Um, before we start recording, I, I did ask you, are you a, a football fan um, as well of Temple? And you said yes. Um, so I don't know if you make it down to a lot of uh, Temple football games, if you did during the Rod Carey era, which is now officially over. And I think we can all take a sigh of relief. Um, so just, you know, what are your thoughts? You know, if you want to give your thoughts on last season and just the last month and a half since we've had Stan Drayton. I think that, I think there's finally some excitement back in the program, right? I think, I mean, I lived through some really, really bad football yes. teams. So uh, I get to live that through, is true. <laughs> I got to live through some uh, very, very good basketball teams, but I lived through some very, very bad football teams. Um, I was joking. I think in um, one of Matt Rule's 10 win years, I think that year he won more games than they won in the four years I was at Temple or something crazy. <laughs> um, so I think, you know, Matt Rule, well, started with Al Golden, obviously, but then going to Matt Rule and then going to Jeff Con or going to Adazio. I know it was, sorry, I'm, I'm blanking on that. So it was Golden, then Adazio, then Rule, then Collins. So from Rule to Collins, there was some stuff to get excited about, right? Collins, I, 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 yeah. I, I, like, the, I like the presence on social media. I kind of liked what he was doing. His shtick got a little bit old. Yes. Um, I think he was too busy trying to build his own brand and not really worried about the football team. But he got to play with Matt Rule's guys, and they won some games, and he capitalized that into a Georgia Tech job, so good for him. Um, but then, yeah, the Rod Carey was just, it was a disaster. I, I, it didn't feel like the right, right hire from the beginning. Um, I almost felt like Pat Kraft had one foot out the door when he made that hire. And it just, it did, it didn't feel right. Right. You're bringing in this guy from the Midwest with no ties out this way. And he just, it did, it just didn't work. You know, he, um, he didn't want to talk to the media. He had no presence online whatsoever. Um, and it just felt like three just dark years of Temple football and almost felt like back to when I was in college again. It was tough. And I think the Stan Drayton hire, I think, has jolted some excitement back into this fan base and back into the program. And everything you're hearing coming out of EO has been fun and promising. And, you know, we have to wait and see them play, obviously, before we can get too excited. But at least there's something to be excited about. Yeah, I, I kind of it until you started saying the sentence that you were there for some bad football teams, it didn't even click on my mind, but um, yeah, you saw you, did you go to the games then or not? Nah? Like, did anybody did. go to games when you were there? Oh, I did. You know, you I did. would be like, you know, one of maybe like 1500 people in the stands. That was also back when it was the old vet. Yeah. So right. Tells you so how old looked, it is, e but. looked even more uh, empty. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, no. And, and you're right. I mean, you know, golden started it. Uh, Adazio has at his two year window or whatever it was. Yeah. And then, Rule really takes it to the next step. Um, I agree with Jeff Collins. It was a shtick that he over he overdid, but it was what it was. He got a couple wins, and yeah, he he took the money and ran too when he had the chance. Uh, Rod Carey, it, yeah, it was. It just didn't work out. Um, Drayton has been great. His social media presence has been great. Um, I think I said it to uh, somebody on the show a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you know, even you, you see other high school coaches retweeting about his coaches visiting. Like, hey, had a great, like a high school coach in Maryland says, hey, had a great uh, visit with so-and-so assistant coach from Temple staff. It was just great to talk to them. And they're building those relationships and just things like that, seeing it on social media. Um, you're right. It, until they get on the uh, the turf or grass, whatever, and uh, win some games or hopefully win a lot of games, um, it, it is hard to really judge it. But 
it, it's definitely brought some life into the program again and it, it is fun to see yeah and i think um you know to your point i think the the area coaches seem to be excited about the hire um he pulled together a we'll see how they pan out but on paper it looks like a pretty impressive recruiting class in his first class and he had very limited time to pull that class together so kudos to him on that i think he did a very good job of mixing in some high school juco transfers college transfers like i think he did a good job building the class mixing in some different pieces um yeah i mean we'll see how they perform in spring ball i think there'll be more roster shakeups coming out of spring ball and you'll probably see some more players leave and some more players come and we'll see what happens but everything you everything you hear and everything you see seems to be positive so that's good that's a good thing and i i believe i saw somewhere April 9th, I think they said, is going to be the cherry and white spring football day game thing. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping to go to that. I've gone in years past pre-COVID. Um, usually you can go on the side, not, you know, get next to the players and stuff, but go and watch pretty close um, and just kind of get a feel for where uh, it's usually if it's a nice spring day, it's a, it's a fun day and they make it uh, worthwhile. Um Bob, I'm going to end it with this. Um, I think I'm almost at the end of having to ask this stupid question. Um, how has COVID been for you, sir? It's been a long two years, Sean. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you what, I have uh, I have six-year-old twins who are in first grade. Um, having to homeschool them when they were in kindergarten was something I would never wish on anybody. <laughs> um, but no, I bet that been, wasn't uh, wasn't so easy, especially with twins at the same time. Uh, somehow thinking that five year olds could handle homeschooling, I don't know what they were thinking. But <laughs> anyway, um, no, it's been it's 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 it was a tough two years. I mean, we made the best of it. Um, I'm fortunate enough. I had my brother that lives next door to me, so I had someone close by. Like I said, I'm from Rhode Island. My folks are in Rhode Island, so we didn't get to see them much over the past, you know, year and a half. But the good news is seems to be moving on. Things seem to be getting better and people are getting out again. So hopefully, uh, hopefully there are brighter days ahead and we can put this all behind us soon. Were you able to make it down here a lot for games during that? So before the COVID year, I did get down quite a bit. Um, obviously, during the COVID year, I didn't. Um, and then obviously having young twins now, it's a little bit tougher. Um, I have seen the team play up here a couple of times. I saw um, Temple play when they played up here against UMass, which was really fun. Um, and now that uh, the kids are getting older, I want to get them down there for some games, hopefully uh, starting next fall, get them down there for some football games and then next winter for some basketball games. So, yeah, we did. That would be awesome, Bob. Um, Bob, thank you so much for doing this. Um, hopefully, you know, in the fall, you can bring the, the twins down and we can get a, a drink in the, the link parking lot. I'll bring some apple juices for them so they can participate in the tailgate. All right. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Sean. Thanks, Bob. And as always, guys, I will be back.